This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I got her a potato necklace for our anniversary. Uh, It doesn't smell great anymore. Hello, and welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. And I'm Stacey Kulo. And we're comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Gilmore Girls. Which is a show that I love, but I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows. So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing each episode as we go. And this week we watched the penultimate episodes, season two, episode 21, starting with Gilmore Girls, Lorelai's Graduation Day. As well as Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Becoming. Part one. These were both good, Brian. These are both good episodes. Both of them. It made me just want to watch the next ones. Yeah, we got into almost fight. Yeah. But I was like, no, we have to podcast. We can't just watch. I wanted to judge this one as a standalone episode and not as a two-parter. And I think it worked as a standalone. Yeah. I mean, definitely some cliffhangers, but... I feel like this Buffy episode suffered less of the setup syndrome. Yeah. I feel like in a lot of Buffy's, they're like, someone's lurking. Who could that be? Like, this had some stuff happen in this episode. Mm Mm-hmm. That probably won't be super continued in the next episode. Yeah. But anyway, we'll get into that more later. As far as us... Uh, I have a show coming up. Yeah, another sketch show. On April 15th at 9.30 Eastern Time on Squirrel. Yeah, Squirrel is a new theater coming to New York. They don't have a physical space yet because who does? Yeah, right. But it's a, a digital comedy theater for the time being. Kind of risen from the ashes of our former theater. Uh, we'll have a link on our Facebook and Twitter and maybe even our TikTok. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if you can link TikTok. No, it'll just be a video where we show you the link and you write it down. Yeah, that's what the kids love. <laughs> That's what all the TikTok kids are doing. They're giving you hyperlinks spelled out. It's a sketch show that my old UCB mod team uh, has come together to do. So that's going to be exciting. Tune into that. Speaking of your sketch team, a friend of ours, Nick Ramirez, also has a podcast called Hungry Cat Daily. Yeah, it's a tri-weekly podcast, three times a week, with short 10 to 15 minute episodes where they recap, rate, and like rank a Garfield comic strip every episode. Yeah, it's Nick and his co-host Lance, and they're working their way from the beginning of Garfield comic history. As of this recording, they're on December of 1978. You were actually a guest on that podcast, weren't you? Mm-hmm. Their podcast has a visual element, too. So when I did it, our cat went, like, flying across my computer screen while we were recording, which he never does. It's like he knew we were doing a cat show. He's a cool dude. Yeah. Uh, but Nick told me they want to have you on as a guest, too. Awesome. Yeah. So that's the Hungry Cat Daily. You can listen to that wherever you get your podcasts. And they post the video versions on Facebook and Instagram, at Hungry Cat Daily. I'll put the links to that in our episode description. Yeah, so if you like Garfield and or comic strips and or just funny people, you should check it out. Yeah, check it out. Honk. I don't know if you heard the traffic outside. That's why I yelled honk. If you hear a bunch of like traffic noises or like cars or like weird New York sounds, that's just ambiance because that's what these episodes are about. Yeah. Oh my god. There's a few similarities between these two episodes. Yeah, it's weird. They're both... Well, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. Should we get into it? Let's get into it. Okay. So this week, we started with Gilmore Girls. Brian, tell them about Lorelai's graduation day. As the title suggests, this episode's about Lorelai graduating from her business school. Hmm. But also, it's about Rory going to see Jess and maybe dealing with how she actually feels about Jess. Mm-hmm. 
So the episode opens with Lorelai and Rory walking to get breakfast. Lorelai's taking her somewhere different. They don't say it, but it's clear it's because things are weird with Luke and they can't go to Luke's. On the way, Lane shows up and she's like, hey, do you mind if I continue to practice the drums on your pot and pans? And Lorelai has a funny line about like, yeah, at least someone's using it for something because they never cook. Uh, so we know that Lane is still doing drum stuff. That's good. Drum stuff. Is that, that just sounds sexual some, for some reason. Like, uh, um, okay. I, what, what do you think sounds sexual about that? I mean, it's just like hand stuff, over the pants stuff, drum stuff. Yeah, I guess anytime you put stuff at the end of it, anything it sounds sexual yeah you put a verb in front of it like you doing you yeah, doing yeah. couch stuff couch stuff you doing tv stuff doing TV any stuff. kind of noun stuff is bad yeah not bad but like oh, i didn't know you were into that kind of noun stuff well it's bad as far as uh, lane's mom is concerned yes <laughs> she only wants her into adjective stuff <laughs> yeah so surprise surprise this secret morning breakfast nook is just suki's house which is fine. Suki seemed happy to do it. Yeah, a little weird. And of course, Jackson's there asleep in his printed pajamas. Yeah, same ones from before. He, it's a really ridiculously exaggerated uh, not morning person. He just makes a bunch of grunt sounds. You said he's asleep. He is awake, I think, but like not. Yeah, he's just like, uh, uh. That was funny. Lorelai's like, Jackson, give me a, uh. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, uh, that was good. They also made a joke about how he'll respond to these things later, which of course he does. Yeah, they like set up that it takes him, he's hearing everything. He just won't register it for days. So later, Lorelai is studying for finals. She's freaking out, really is looking for excuses not to study, which is what Lorelai always does. She she has like, I don't know if they say it, but she's definitely got like ADD. She just like cannot focus. Roy's just like, everything's gonna be great. You're gonna have a degree. It's all gonna be worth it. Is there a ceremony? And Lorelai's like, I'm not going to any ceremony. I didn't go to my high school ceremony. Because she was pregnant. Yeah. But Rory's like, you should go to this graduation. It'll be awesome. You should invite your parents. And Lorelai's like, no, I'm not going to invite my parents. It would be weird. They don't want to be there and it won't be fun. Trust me, they'll just like get upset about all the pregnancy and all the ways I disappointed them by not going to college. So no, don't even think about it, Rory. Yeah, so Rory's like, okay, I won't. But Rory does tell the grandparents and she has this like little speech and Emily's got, like, all kinds of, like, pastries and stuff set up. Like, how much money do they have? There's so many pastries set up for, like, Rory's impromptu, like, very quick visit. I mean, it's like an English tea, they say. But there's just, like, yeah, there's, like, 20 pastries. Yeah, it's like, did you just have these around? There's so many. Are you going to even eat all these before they go bad? And Emily's, like, super mad that the maid didn't put doilies on the dishes. Like, oh, God, Emily, you're the worst. Richard has run home from work for this event. Yeah, he's probably tired of Karen already. Maybe. No, he's just really, you know, they love Rory. They love her. But she essentially is like, here's the deal. I want you to come. My mom would love it. But don't come if you don't want to make this like amazing moment for my mom because it's supposed to be a great day for her. And if you're not going to enjoy it, then you shouldn't come. But they're like shocked into silence. They're kind of just like, well, uh, what? What? But they specifically ask, like, why didn't she invite us? Rory's like, well, because mom doesn't think that you wanted to come, which I think is important. Yeah, she compares it to this like whole story she had about a vegetable play she was in in kindergarten where she didn't think her mom would want to come, so she didn't ask her, and then she regretted it ever since. Yeah, when she was on stage and she looked out and she wished her mom was looking at her. And I remember thinking that the story was kind of dumb, but it actually was important. Yeah, I remember not remembering the vegetable story, but I remembered what happens later. So she handles this like super professionally, though. Like, like a business meeting. Yeah. yeah. She's got like terms and like, don't say anything till I'm finished. And she like ends it by calling them by their first names. That was a little much. Yeah. I mean, Emily even says like, she spent too much time with you, Richard. Yeah. But it was cute. And her eyes looked really pretty in the scene. Yeah. But it was this thing where it's like, oh, are you doing a bad thing, Rory? Because like, 
previously you've gone against what your mother's asked and it's really blown up in your face. So. Yeah. And and she ends up with like, keep this between the three of us. But I'm like, if they do come, how do you think your mom is going to think they knew? Well, I think she was like, if they come, it'll be great. So yeah. mom will get over the fact that I invited her. Right. But if they don't come, then she never has to know. We don't actually see the finals happen, but they, they do, I guess. I was actually kind of shocked that they, I didn't realize they had happened when she was celebrating. I mean, did you need to see them? No, but like you'd think we would have seen something. There could have been a scene there, but she passes. Does that boy she dated is there nervously taking his finals too? Oh yeah, that's right. The guy who was like super young. Mm-hmm. That would have been a funny callback. She made a bunch of margaritas for herself. Yeah, she seems wasted and she's starting like a new pitcher. Yeah, I know. I was like, oh, you're like halfway through a pitcher. No, you're, okay. Tomorrow's going to be rough. I thought that Clem and Clem line was funny. Yeah, that was funny. Um, We're going to leave it very vague for you guys. Yeah, um, Google Clem. And then Google Clem. But then ring, ring, telephone call. Rory answers the phone, and it's Jess. Oh, uh, hold on. I'm, I'm going to go to the bedroom where the music's quieter. Mom, it's not Jess. Don't worry about it. She does not handle this, like, well at all. I feel like she's just like, yeah, just walk to your room. But it's Jess, and they talk for, like, a minute. Like, barely talk. It's long distance, he says. He's calling from, like, a payphone. I don't even know why he called. I don't even remember what he said. He was just like, how are you? Yeah, that's what I thought. He just was like, what's up? How you doing? I... Gotta go. Well, they asked what each other's been up to, and he says he's been hanging out. At the, the park, that's right. He mentions that he's been hanging out in Washington Square Park. She was like, oh, you been at Central Park? He's like, no, Washington Square Park, which is important, because Central Park's very big. Yes. And Washington Square Park is not nearly as big. No, it's manageable. Yeah. We saw a man covered in birds there when we first arrived in the city. And it was Jess. He's been there for so long. <laughs> well, what year was it? It might have been Angel. <laughs> It was the middle of the day, so I don't I don't think it was. Uh, yeah, she they're very awkward on the phone. But remember when Rory could like barely even speak to Dean? That's true. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, she's maybe just better at talking to humans and boys in particular now. But like right. early on, I think she doesn't really know how to handle her emotions. So it's finally graduation day. Lorelai's freaking out. She doesn't know what to wear. Rory's like so proud of her. They're excited about graduation and excited to take her out afterwards to dinner. It's going to be a great day. Yeah, I mean, Lorelai's just like super pumped that Rory's coming to this. And like, she's really the only person she cares about being there. But Rory does have to go to school where she uh, talks to Paris. And this scene, I feel like... Paris talks to her. (laughs) (laughs) This scene is just like, if you were like, hey, I want to know what Paris is all about. Oh, okay, that's what this scene is. Because Paris like is nice to Rory because they're friends. But she just like details how mean she is to other people. Specifically her like advisor. (laughs) She basically advised her advisor. She's like, yeah, this is Paris. Oh my God, why is anyone her friend? But Rory seems distant. Of course, Paris doesn't pick up on that, but we do. Even though it's graduation day, of course, Lorelai still has to work. Suki made her a giant cake for graduation. I have a question about Suki. Okay. I feel like Suki's always making, like, treats for, like, big events for Lorelai. Mm-hmm. Like, she made her breakfast a couple days ago, like a big breakfast. And I'm just like, are, is Suki, like, footing the bill for all this stuff? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I feel like the graduation cake was a gift, so yes. Sure, yeah. But also, like, are they dipping into the restaurant food supply? That cake, though, even the graduation day cake was very big. It wasn't like, oh, here's, like, a small cake I made for you. It's like, here's an enormous, massive cake that you will never finish. Right. And it's just, like, there's a lot of this, so... Does she take ingredients from the end to do this or like some ingredients in the end? I know this is minor, but it bothers me that she gets taken advantage of so much in the show. Well, much like time and calories, I think money is a mystery in Stars Hollow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. Well, it doesn't make sense, but it makes sense that that's an excuse. 
So apparently Lorelai asked Suki to like bring her graduation pics with her. So they're looking through these physical pictures. Do you guys remember physical pictures? I guess people still print physical pictures. But anyway, uh, there's a picture of Suki with her parents. They look really proud. That's important. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Michelle shows up and eats a grape and then like hates it. (laughs) He eats a grape and then does this weird face like, what a disgusting grape. It looked totally fine. Yeah, he hands the rest of them to Suki like, get rid of these. Get rid of these grapes. He had a ballerina at his graduation. Lorelai gets a phone call from Christopher, who's like, did you get my basket? And Michelle's like, there's a basket outside. I didn't want to touch it because he hates her. You know, that's their relationship is he hates her a lot. He said it like hurt his back a little bit. So he stopped picking it up. Yeah. I mean, the grapes hurt his jaw. So I can understand. He's a very he's, fragile he's man. delicate. Well, this basket's huge. He's got a ton of stuff in it. A lot of it's kind of jokey stuff. Yeah. It's all like you're graduating high school themed, which I think is sweet since she didn't really graduate high school. And that's Christopher's fault. And he got her a pearl necklace, and she's like, is this fake? And he's like, no, uh, I got it for you because I think you're awesome. Which is like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Are you guys going to date, or what is happening? I mean, uh, he, she thinks she's awesome because she, like, raised a daughter. And... He did say that, and that is fine. You can 100% do that. It's just the vibe, I feel like, is a little bit m- I mean, it, it can be platonic, I guess. And right? necklace is pretty romantic. Yeah, it's just jewelry is like, that just always screams romance to me. Which is why you would never buy me jewelry. No, I don't buy you jewelry. That's not true. I have bought you jewelry. Yes. But I just feel like I'm like, I'm going to buy you something that you're not going to like. No. That's why I only buy you carbohydrates. Yes. <laughs> you guys know how I feel about spaghetti and potatoes. She's just going to start listing them, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I got her a potato necklace for our anniversary. It Uh, doesn't smell great anymore. (laughs) Because she ate it and pooped it out. Anyway, we're going to move on. But there's also a disposable camera, which is important. But also, it was funny to me to think about disposable cameras for a second. Like, what a wasteful thing disposable cameras are. I totally get their purpose. I totally use them. But, like, it's just like, hey, I want to take pictures of this landscape to remember what it looked like before we all threw our disposable cameras into the ground. Ouch. It's like, I want to take some photos to remember some stuff that's important to me while actively adding to litter. I don't think we cared about Garbage Island 18 years ago. I don't know. Just really, uh, just the idea is kind of crazy to me. It's just like so wasteful. Anyway, doesn't matter. So are a lot of things. Finally, we see why Rory was so distant because we see her arriving at Port Authority. Which is in New York for all you non-New Yorkers. It's where all the buses go. It's where all the buses go. This is a fun scene where she's trying to ask people directions and they're just like ignoring her. I totally have been that guy when I first moved here. Which guy? Now you're the other guy? Now I'm the other guy. (laughs) Nope. Nah. Don't get that for you. We really don't in New York. If you don't live here, if you've never really been here, people say that people here are mean. And I think that when you're in a public space, when you're on the go, when you're at a coffee shop, everyone is pretty curt and like not super friendly or smiley because there's just so many people. You don't have time to look everyone in the eyes and say thank you or excuse me. You just like got to keep your head down and go where you're going. But like in general here, people are pretty nice. And like if you need help legit, someone's like down to help you. Yeah. And I I mean, there's there's so many factors. Exactly what you said. Also, I just feel like traveling and getting around here is like harder so you're just like generally more in a hurry because you're like i gotta go like it's taking me longer to get somewhere because i can't take a car there's just not time for pleasantries not to mention it's just a mash of so many different cultures and not everyone like smiles at everyone they see on the street in every country in the world and there's a bunch of insane crazy people and you're like i don't want to smile at that guy and then he wants to tell me some secrets about ufos you know and you're like but she's asking a bunch of people and i feel like people will give you directions they're just like i don't have time for you to like not know what you're talking about 
Yeah, your dad came here and was just like trying to have conversations with strangers on the subway. And we're like, no, they don't want that. Yeah, my dad tried to have a conversation with a woman on the subway who had headphones in. <laughs> now, my dad is happily married. It wasn't like uh, trying to hit on this woman. He just like was like, oh, there's a person here. I Let's think for some reason talk. she like had to interact with us. But then he was like, oh, this we should keep this going. We should keep talking. Yeah. We're friends now. He would always be like, where are these people going? I'm like, I don't know, dad. I don't know these people. <laughs> who lives in these buildings? No idea. Yeah, Dad. I don't know. I love you. I don't know where these people are going. <laughs> the headphones thing, though. I just want to be like, Dad, she's got headphones in. That means no talk. I just put my headphones in even if I'm not listening to anything so people don't talk to me. Yeah, and a lot of times I'm like, hey, honey, it's Christmas and my dad wants to talk to you. Can you please take your headphones out? No. I don't know, Mom. She just doesn't want to talk. Just leave her on the couch. She's got her headphones in. <laughs> but she finds Jess at Washington Square Park. You said that some people have complained that she finds Jess too quickly. Right. Um, it's not hard to get to Washington Square Park. Uh, it's not big either. So it's not crazy that she would be able to find Jess. It is a little crazy that she assumed he would be there. He said he hangs out there a lot, but like not what hours he's there. Right. I mean, he could be at his house, which yeah, or she like doesn't eating. know where that is. Yeah. So it's kind of a long shot, but it worked out and it works. You know, he's excited to see her. The way Jess shows excitement, which is to smile and interact with someone. Yeah, he's barely like, whoa, you came here? He's just like, oh, hey, you want to get food? And then they get a hot dog. From a little cart. Which is important because this happens in Buffy too. <laughs> Jess is like, how's, uh, you know, uh, you know, the... Uh, that's Luke. I mean, it's clear that Jess doesn't, like, hate Luke. And, like, yeah. Maybe cares about Luke a little bit, but, like, I get it. He's, like, adolescent. He doesn't want to admit that he cares. Rory's just, like, babbling about how New York she thinks she is because she's been here three times. And, you know, she sounds pretty not New York. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's really proud that she, like, stared at someone kind of mean once. Right. Jess tells Rory that he found a really cool record store, and she's like, let's go. And he's like, cool, cool. And he starts to go on the subway, and she's all like, um, can we take our food on the subway? Which is hilarious, because you're not supposed to eat on the subway, but like, man, I've seen people eat like the sloppiest tuna melts on the subway. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's like gross in everyone's mind to do that, but it's not like strictly forbidden. It's just like, mm. especially now, I would never eat on the subway. It was like, take your mask off for one on the subway. Yeah, that's true. Now with masks, it's a little different. But just like... I don't know, you can't wash your hands before you eat. Yeah, and it's like if you touch anything, like you don't want to then touch your food. But I mean, I've seen people eat some stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've definitely like at least had a snack on the subway. I don't know if I've had like a meal. Yeah. But yeah, before we were aware of germs, it was a little gross. But now that everyone sees every germ in the air, it seems out of the question. I've seen people do it, though, even in COVID times. Well, when they get to the record store, uh, there's a really funny interaction where they mention some cover of an album and they've never heard of the band. And the dude who runs the store is all like, here's everything you need to know about that band. Yeah, it was like some band from Kentucky or something. It's great. He's like the walking Wikipedia. But Rory finds like an awesome signed record for her mother. It's a... Uh, the Go-Go's? Yeah, signed by one of the band members. I think it's like their original album or something. Rory's going to go buy this and just kind of mentions like, oh, your mom has time to like music between Hayden on me and screaming about how much she hates me or something. Just little things reminding us that he's aware that her mother hates him and Rory like agrees. Rory's also very excited because someone asked her for directions when they're leaving and she tells him where to go. She's really proud of herself, but then Jess is like, yeah, it's the wrong way. I love that he just let the guy go the wrong way. Which is so funny because we've all... I feel like part of being a New Yorker is when you first are like, I can tell people directions, and then you do tell someone the wrong way. I've like, definitely done this. Oh, no. I, I'm pretty sure I was like, I'm not positive, but I think it's that way. But I, as soon as the woman left, I was like, oh, no. I remember being in Brooklyn, and someone came by 
in their car and they were like, do you guys know where something is? And this woman who was clearly gentrifying his neighborhood was like, oh, it's this way. And then a guy across the street yells, no, (laughs) it's the other way. She's wrong. I've done that too. Someone was trying to figure out which way to go on the subway. And I like got into a fight with someone who was definitely wrong. It was me, guys. (laughs) I was like, no, do not send her that way. That will be sad for her. Whew. We lived here six years, guys. We're pretty New York now. Pretty much know where the Space Needle is. We know (laughs) where. (laughs) Rory's leaving. She's getting on her bus, and she gets in, and then Jess, like, asks through the window, like, why'd you come? Like, this isn't like you to skip school. Like, why would you do this? And then she's like, because we never said goodbye. But it's, like, clear that it's like, I mean, I came because I have feelings for you. Like, I mean, even if she doesn't know that's the reason. Yeah. You know, it's like, you wouldn't just do that for someone you were, like, kind of friends with. Before she got on the bus, they had this really kind of cute, awkward moment where he's kind of leaning against the bus, and it it almost seemed like they were maybe going to kiss. I don't know. It It, seemed intimate. Yeah. It it was just sort of like, well, we don't really want to say goodbye. Um, Don't know when we'll see each other again. This was fun. Do we hug? But they they don't do anything. And then she starts her journey home. Well, she actually doesn't. She's not going anywhere because the bus isn't moving. There was an accident on the freeway, and they're stuck there for a while. It was pretty funny because she asked the bus driver, like, "Uh, do you know when you might be going? And he's like, yeah, I don't know. And she's like, should you know? (laughs) Like... Should you know, though? And then he explains the accident. So she's like, well, hmm, I'm going to be a little late. She doesn't realize, though, that she's on a local bus as opposed to an express bus. For those of you that aren't uh, New York. Um, For those of you guys that aren't uh, big city folk. um, Express doesn't make stops. Local. Makes stops. stops. All the little stops in between. Subway trains do this, too, which is uh, something you got to learn when you move to New York. No big deal. And you can figure it out while you're eating on the subway. We're going to lose some listeners. Fuck these assholes. So she's going to be way later than she thought. She's stuck next to some guy chewing tobacco. She doesn't like that. If you chew tobacco and you're listening, I'm not saying that you're wrong. It's a free country. You can do whatever you want. It's just gross, man. I do gross things too, I'm sure. But chewing tobacco is so gross. I did it one time and I was like, why do people do this? Well, obviously because they're addicted to it. But why does anyone start this? Smoking looks cool. Chewing is like, looks like you just have too much gum in your lip. This has been our PSA. Meanwhile, Lorelai is ready for graduation. She got there early so she can get a clean graduation gown. The guy that's uh, running the place is like, does not care at all about this. He's like, this is my like 15th rodeo. I'm done with this. Yeah, he's like Michelle and Luke had a baby and like abandoned it and told it it was ugly. (laughs) It's him. It's pretty funny though because Lorelai thinks she sees Emily. She does like a double take and then she's like, I I gotta go see what that is. Yeah, it almost was like a horror movie scene where like the protagonist first thinks they see the ghost running out of the (laughs) corner. But it's worse. It's Emily. And a whole camera crew. Yeah, Emily is there, and Lorelai's like, what are you doing here? Did my daughter tell you? And Emily's immediately like, yes. (laughs) 100% your... I mean, at that point, like, what do you do? Right. This is what I was afraid of. And Emily's brought her uh, camera guy, Raul, who she keeps mentioning how expensive he is. He's, like, setting stuff up, and he is... I don't know if this is his first time setting up equipment by himself or what, but he's taking up a lot of space, he's causing a lot of problems. Videotape this whole thing. So Lorelai's starting to get a little stressed out, but probably it wouldn't be that big of a deal, except that Seth MacFarlane's upset about it. It sounds weird, but it's true. We saw his name in the beginning. We're like, what is he doing in this episode? I did not remember this detail. Seth MacFarlane plays another boy that is graduating, and him and his girlfriend have like a running bit where they're breaking up. They're like planning to break up, but they're still together. Their interactions were pretty funny, Mm -hmm. back and forth. They were just so mean, and it started off mean, and at first it was jarring, but then you're like, oh, okay, they're just both 
in deep hatred with each other. Right. But then we also find out that they hate rich people. Yeah, that's what brought them together, I imagine. They see that this fancy rich lady is setting up all this camera equipment. And they come back in the holding area and they're like, oh my gosh, who's this rich lady? And Lorelai's like, mm, who could that be? Seth MacFarlane's character is absurd. The way he's just like loudly proclaiming like, rich people suck. I hate rich people. And it's like, well, somebody here's rich and does anyone really act that way? I guess he's in the middle of a breakup, but. Yeah, all of this is very, very silly, but pretty funny. The rich stuff, I didn't think that was that funny. The bickering was funny to me. Jokes sprinkled in here were funny. Like Suki and Jackson show up. Yeah, Jackson's got a, a, a nice suit on and he makes a comment about his suit. And then this guy's like saying that, of course, he's got that suit because he's rich. And Jackson's like, this was 30% off. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> I just love like, no, I'm poor, actually. Yeah. But Lorelai gets outed by this corsage woman. Now, what the hell? This woman brings in what looks like a giant donut box. Mm-hmm. And it's just full of corsages, all of which have been paid for. I mean, corsages do come in donut boxes. Yeah, but do they? Yeah. Like a, like a small donut box, though. You Usually like one corsage, I'm right? trying to think like weddings I've been a part of. I feel like they probably would all come in one box like that. Okay, okay, right, right, right. But... Yeah, like a wedding, everyone gets a corsage. Yeah, I mean, she admittedly got too many corsages for this event that involved one woman wearing a corsage. And I was just thinking, like, Lorelai should offer these to everybody. Like, does anyone else want a corsage? But at this point, they hate her. (laughs) Right. So she takes the best-looking one, according to Raul. Rory texts Lorelai and later Suki to tell her she's going to be late. But no one's worried. They think it's a little weird that she's running late, but, you know, it's Rory. She'll be there. Rory's the most dependable person in the show. She would never miss this. Yeah, she doesn't lie. The crew's setting up. They even have a sound guy, I guess. It's a lot. And Emily and Richard immediately go into let's shit on everything mode. They're just, like, in a bad mood. Like, the the lighting's bad. The speech guy is bad. Can you believe they got this just random man from a company to give the speech? Yeah, and it's just, like, proclaiming. Claiming these complaints very loudly. The camera crew is very invasive. Yeah, oh god. Okay, so Lorelai gets up because it's her turn to like go, you know, get her diploma. And then the crew comes over to her like it's a documentary. Like she just won an Emmy or something. And they're just like in her face and it's like way too much. And Lorelai hates it. And she walks to the stage and then we have a great moment. Probably the best moment in the episode. Because she gets to the stage and, like, the show has set up that, like, obviously Emily and Richard are being way too much. This has totally backfired. Rory's, like, good intentions did not pan out. And they are ruining this for their daughter. And they obviously aren't having a good time themselves, you know? Mm -hmm. So bad all around. But Lorelai gets on stage, she looks out into the audience, and lo and behold, in the opposite of Rory's vegetable play story... Her mother and father are looking back at her proudly, and, like, her mother gets a little choked up. And she wasn't the only one. Richard also got a little choked up, I think. And? And, uh, I think that's everyone, everybody. It's everyone that got choked up. Yeah, I got a little choked up. It was an emotional scene. Yeah, it got me. It got, it gets you. Okay, we'd had half a bottle of wine. <laughs> this is, this is my girlfriend, guys. If I have, like, an, any emotion, she's gonna be like, hey, are you having an emotion right now? We need to discuss it. You just don't that often, and it's nice when they happen at my show. Okay, at your show. Mm-hmm. Okay. You like my show. I do, but you're just like, are you crying? I wasn't bawling. I was just like a little, you know, little sniffle. You know when you get one of those after a scene, one of those? Mm-hmm. Lorelai looks up, sees her parents, and then she like smiles. She's like, oh, no, this is like, this is what I want. This is like great. 
Yeah, she flips her tassel. Yeah, and she looks fine. And it was like, what great writing for this scene, right? Total misdirect. Did not see this coming. I thought it was going to be like a car crash. Yeah. Like it was a like train wreck. Right up until the moment where she looked out, too. Yeah. It's really timed well. Yeah, really was just like, oh, no, guys, misdirect. It's actually beautiful and nice. And then it's the end of the ceremony, and she's talking to her parents, and you can tell that Richard's a little verklempt. Is that the word? Richard's also a little, you know, he's cleaned her a little bit. Like he cried a little, you think? I don't know if he necessarily cried, but definitely um, he felt some emotions about seeing his daughter up there. Well, he had half a bottle of wine. (laughs) They're like all really uncomfortable with having emotions around each other. Probably because growing up, every time they had an emotion, their girlfriend would be like, oh my God, are you having an emotion? Yeah, their collective girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's you. I guess it makes sense that they're awkward, but they're they're really playing up awkward. It almost felt a little silly. As they're about to leave, Lorelai's like, oh, we should get a photo. But Raul doesn't have a camera because what... Why would Raul not have a camera? You'd think he would have everything. I mean, he has a video camera, but you'd think he would have a... Can't videos cameras, like, take pictures? Maybe not at that time. Yeah, I don't know. You'd think he would also just have a camera. I don't know. It just seems like a thing he would have. But anyway, do you guys remember Chris's basket? There was a camera. I don't know where on her person this camera is exactly. I'm guessing it was in her purse. But she had her gown on still. Yeah, maybe Suki had her purse while she was on stage. Yeah, I guess I... So that came in handy, and they take uh, a photo. I was thinking the whole time, like, take two. I know! They took (laughs) one! I was like, no, it's a disposable camera. That first one might be garbage. Yeah. But Emily and Richard also just, like, don't know where to put their hands in this picture. Like, they've never touched their daughter before. Yeah. Emily excuses herself, and then Richard hands Lorelai, I assume, a large check. Yeah, and he's like, uh, you know, spending on something fun. So she got it. She got that picture that Suki had. She got that experience that she didn't have for high school, all because of Rory. And then Rory's like, hey, Mom, great job graduating. Except she doesn't. Because she's not not there. there. What the hell? Where's Rory? Suki says that she'll be at home, and that she's really sorry, and that's all she knows. And then we have that moment where Jackson remembers all the stuff that was said to him in the morning. I actually think this joke was dumb. I was like, all right, cool. We knew this was coming. This is like the opposite of misdirect. Like, we, you set this up so clearly earlier in the episode. So the episode ends with Lorelai coming home, driving up to see Rory on the porch. It's always someone on the porch these days. It's like a reverse Dean. I'm waiting for her to be like, I just forgot what time the thing was. Yeah. I'm so bad with time. I've been with Dean too much. Obviously, Lorelai's upset, but like Rory goes into like a monologue immediately. She just like tells her that she cut school and went to New York. She doesn't immediately mention Jess. She's like trying to ground herself. Yeah, she's like talking a mile a minute and she feels horrible about it. Uh, Lorelai's obviously very hurt because it was a once in a lifetime opportunity that she wanted her best friend to be at. I I really like that line. It's just the idea that they called each other best friends. Yeah. The scene uh, was really emotional too. It was. It was good. It's just that um, I, I liked that line in particular because they are best friends, but like she didn't say I wanted my daughter there, you know? And I was like, yeah, that's that better describes your relationship. Mm-hmm. Of course, though, the big question Lorelai asks is like, well, why the hell would you go to New York? You know, like what? And so she says, you know, that it was Jess. Lorelai's like, whoa, we buried the lead there, lady. But Rory's like, this isn't me. I must be sick. What? This just isn't me. I had a stroke. I don't know. Just, I'm I'm broken. I'm so bad. crazy. And Lorelai's like, or, or you're just falling for Jess. No, I'm going to be with Dean forever and ever. Maybe not forever. Shut up, Mom. Dean. I love Dean. He's taller every time I see him. And when she figures out she left her gift on the dumb old bus. Yeah, like everything was ruined. And she feels terrible about it. She starts just like listing off all the things that she's going to do. Like, you know, she's going to give the remote to her mom forever and then like do all the house chores. This is supposed to show that she clearly feels bad about this, right? And is desperately trying to make it up. But a little bit of me feels like you're robbing 
depriving your mother of the right to yell at you a little bit. Yeah. I know that sounds weird, and obviously it's weird to, like, yell at your kid, but it's like, the mom should have the right to be a little angry for a minute. Maybe that's a crazy, maybe that's a toxic thought. I don't know. It just feels to me like, let your mom express her emotions, and then you can do the apology game. Right. Well, I guess she's just like, I'm not making excuses. This was bad. But Lorelai still wants to have dinner. It's her freaking graduation day. Yeah. And Rory's like, I don't deserve it. She's like, no, but I do, which is 100% true. Mm -hmm. It was a little weird because she's like, I'm going to go shower real quick and then we could go. I'm like, what time is it? Like, it's already dark. I would have guessed it was like around seven. She said she'd be fast. She also looked fine. She had bus stink on her. That's true, because the guy next to her was stanky with that tobacco. And Lorelai just kind of stares off in his face thinking, shit. Because now she's got to deal with Rory like and Jess for real. Rory's basically proven it for real now. Like, she knew, but this was big. I mean, there's a lot about this scene that was great, right? Like, Lorelai, obviously she's hurt, but she's just like, yeah, this isn't just like you're crazy. This isn't like you're a bad person. This is like you have emotions that I don't like that you have, but like, I get it. I would have liked to see Lorelai express herself a little bit more, but Rory really didn't give her a chance. You keep saying that Rory's showing, not telling, so I feel like this episode she told a little more. Yeah, well, I think Lorelai really told, right? She was like, this is what's happening. Yeah. You're falling for this guy, and Dean's done. Like, mm-hmm. like, we all know Dean's done. And also, you're likely not going to stay with your first boyfriend forever. And Lorelai has lived enough life and, like, been with enough people that she knows that that's not realistic. If you're dating someone and you're 16, you're probably not going to be with them forever. Maybe no. you are. Maybe you guys out there are in a great relationship that started when you were kids. Um, but likely, that's not the case. So, Stacey, do you think this is a good episode? I mean, yeah, it, it definitely had some great moments, like yeah. the graduation look and the fight at the end. Mm-hmm. I feel like I remember hating Rory going to New York, but I think I just like hate the fact that she did because it's like wrong and she missed her mom's graduation and that's really sad. But I think it made for good TV, even though I'm like, Rory, what are you doing? It's also wrong in that like, it's not cheating on Dean, but it's like, are you going to tell Dean this happened? That could definitely like cause a breakup though. Like that's big. He hates Jess. Yeah, and there's it's clear that he can tell there's like chemistry there. It's not just like, oh, he's a friend. It's like, yeah, he's like a friend that you spark with and gel with real well in a way that I don't like. Yeah, you don't skip school and go to New York. To plan a trip to New York to see someone, you've got to be a really good friend with them. Yeah, but that's the other thing too. It was it's not like they've been friends for a very long time. I want to make that clear. Like if you're friends with someone for a long time, then who cares what I feel like? You've been friends with them forever, but she hasn't known Jess that long. Their friendship has always been so Sort of flirty, I feel like. See, so, yeah, I, I think there was definitely a lot of funny jokes. Some stuff was like a little over the top silly. Still funny, but like not as realistic as it could be. I don't know. The show is kind of quirky and over the top, but some things were really silly, like the whole rich person Seth MacFarlane thing. Yeah. But I think I thought it built really well. Mm-hmm. Like, Rory, oh my God, it's so important you come to my graduation. So important to Rory that the grandparents come and like everything just culminated well. Um, yeah. Probably not the best episode ever, but I think it was a good episode, yes. Oh, yeah. Definitely a good episode. There's so many sounds happening in our environment. If you can hear them, enjoy. Enjoy them. It's ASMR, baby. Should we move on? Let's do it. And now for a special segment we like to call Meanwhile Uncharred. Charmed was another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us have seen. But we're going to discuss it anyway. Based only on its IMDb summaries. Brian... What happened on Charmed? Meanwhile, on Charmed, Season 2, Episode 21, Apocalypse Not. When Prue is sucked into a vortex with an apocalypse horseman, Phoebe and Piper are forced to choose between saving their sister and saving the world. Oof, that's a tough choice. 
This is kind of what's happening in Buffy, is it not? Well, there are vortexes implied in Buffy. And there are apocalypses implied in Buffy. And there are saving people that you want to save, but maybe you can't save them because you got to save the world implied. Yeah, this is just rip off of Buffy. Well, okay, so Prue is the one being sucked in, and she's a cartoon woman, so, like, won't she be fine? Yeah, I think that's what just happens, is that they're all really worried about Prue, and then at some point they're just like, she's She's gonna be fine. Yeah. Let's just... Save the world. Yeah, we should save the world. So they just, like, let Prue get sucked into this vortex. Well, she gets sucked in. That's... They they have no say in that. She doesn't have a lot of weight to her, so she gets sucked in real easy. The horseman is just skeleton, so he just got sucked in. He doesn't weigh very much either. I think if they let Prue out, then the horseman gets out, and then it's the whole, like, end of the world stuff, you know? we gotta invite the horseman to live with us. Yeah, because right now, there's there's three horsemen, but they just... They have no idea what they're doing. They need a fourth one to really gel, you know? She's only sucked in with one. Well, I'm guessing that the other three are like, hey, should we do this? And they're all like, nah, we should wait for Ed. Ed? Yeah, the one that got sucked into the vortex. And they're like, we can't start. He was the one that wanted to do this. Right. We're the four horsemen. Ed's the one that set this all up. We can't do this without Ed. He'll be so pissed. But if they open that vortex and have Prue out, then freaking Ed's coming out. And then there's four horsemen. That's the end of the world. You guys know the plot. Yeah, yeah. So they just let Cartoon Prue live in there uh, until next week, I guess. I'm fairly certain she'll get out. Yeah. So, I, I mean, this episode, I think, if I had to guess, is the four horsemen are probably just hanging out at Piper's bar, mm-hmm. just, like, killing time. And then I think they're probably just, like, kind of realizing that they sort of like this place. You mean the three of them, the ones in the vortex. You're right, 100%. It's just the three of them killing time. That's funny. They they want to literally kill time, but they are just, mm-hmm. like, killing time, waiting, and they're like, you know what? I kind of like hanging out with humans and drinking. It's pretty fun. I heard the Goo Goo Dolls played here. What? I heard there was a bunch of, like, animal people here once. Yeah, yeah. This place is awesome. Yeah. I wish we didn't have to kill it, but I guess, you know, that's what Ed wants to do, so. Yeah. And then it's sort of a cliffhanger, because if they save Prue, Ed comes back, they do the killing. And Piper, like, starts to fall for a couple of them. Not just one of them, two of them. <laughs> Not the third one. No, that guy is weird. Well, she smells. falls for the first one and the third one. The second one is weird. Yeah, he chews tobacco. Gross. He's probably pestilence. Like, you know what I mean? Like, no one wants to hang out with pestilence. I don't know what pestilence is. Oh, it's one of the horsemen of the apocalypse. Oh, okay. Guess we'll see what happens next week. This has been Meanwhile on Charmed. All right, so then we watched the penultimate episode of season two of Buffy, Becoming Part One. Stacy, can you tell us about it? Yes. In this episode, we get a lot of Angel's backstory throughout time and what has led him to Sunnydale and to Buffy while simultaneously getting a glimpse into like what Angel might want to do with his future, which is like maybe bad for the planet. <laughs> And meanwhile, the gang's trying to put a stop to him and trying to decide if they should kill him or recurse him or both. That's it. So the episode starts with a narration that one time Angel narrated. This is a different narrator. It's a strange yet familiar voice. I couldn't place it, but then I did. <laughs> He's like, there's moments in life that make you some big, some little. Guess who I am, Stacy? I'm like, I don't know. But it starts in Galway, Ireland, right? Galway? Ireland? I don't know. In 1753, we can see a wasted angel. He sees a lady. Brian points out that this is Darla. She looked familiar, but I couldn't quite place her. But yeah, that's totally who she is. Now, I don't like Darla. So Brian said, I don't think you're going to want to see this. And I said, is the thing I don't want to see Angel's Irish accent? Because... <laughs> I don't. It's bad. Well, back then, I think the Irish accent was just different, you know? It was just a time period thing. Right. Hadn't quite become an accent yet. Yeah. It was more just like a what? (laughs) (laughs) He's like trying, but he's really just like doing the cadence of it. Yeah. (laughs) 
Hey, Brian, my sentences go up at the end a little, don't you think? I'm Irish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, was, uh, it was cute. It was cute that he tried. Uh, definitely Irish accent was not on his resume. <laughs> no, he was like, shoot, I hope we never do flat. Oh, no, oh, there is one. There's one in the script. That's bad. The dialect coach quit. <laughs> Immediately. He's trying to take Darla home, but we all know what happens. D- did we Did we know that Darla was the one? I feel like we did, but I don't remember if you just told me that or if like- I don't remember that. either. Yeah, I don't know. She wants to show him the world and he agrees. That sounds great. So she bites him and then she lets him drink some blood from her chest and he's like, sure, sure. No questions about what this is. Yeah, I know. He seems to be uh, pretty down. I don't know if you just like automatically know if the vampire is changing you, how to become a vampire, but he just like did it without any instruction. Maybe he was just like, oh, there's boobs because it was it was boob blood. Yes, she was. It was boob blood. So then we're in the graveyard. Buffy's fighting a couple of vampires. Angel is spectating. They somehow don't see him. She tells one of the vampires that she's got a message for Angel. Tell him. Rah, 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 rah. I was like, no, don't let him go. You can't just let a vampire go. Yeah, Buffy, have you not learned that when you don't kill a vampire, the vampire will kill people? <laughs> Send Angel an email or something. Angel's gonna pop up. Like, don't worry about it. But Xander's there. She tells him she's ready to kill Angel. She wants to get it over with. And also she's got finals. I love that this whole episode finals and all this like maybe hell is coming to earth stuff is kind of equal. Like that's (laughs) sort of the premise of the show, but it was just really highlighted in this episode, I thought. And then we see some like archaeologists working at what we're told later is the museum. There's this giant monolith that some construction workers dug up. And Giles has been called in because he's like the best relic man in town. And he has some ideas of what this might be. He doesn't want to say yet. And he asks if they've tried to open it. And they're like, have we, what? It opens? The music suggests that it's not like um, a present inside. No, no. It's, it seems like a the judge situation. Yeah, like we're looking at this thing and all we can think is what does that do? <laughs> In the cafeteria, Xander is regaling everyone with a reenactment of Buffy's vampire fight with his fish sticks. And Willow's like sitting on Oz's lap. Everyone seems to be sharing a box of animal crackers. Is the show sponsored by animal crackers now? <laughs> I, just, I think Oz just loves them. It's a character choice. Okay. There's also this moment that I didn't catch the first time through the show. Xander, like, uh, tickles or, like, touches Cordelia, and then she, you know, it's playful. Yeah, she's like, ew, you have fish hands. Yeah. She can both be talking about the fact that he just was touching his fish sticks and, like, sort of an inside joke about, like, yeah, a little bit ago you were maybe turning into a fish person. I I, I wonder if the writers were like, oh, that's funny two ways, or if they were just like, no, it's just about the fish sticks. Right, I mean, they could have been any food, and they made it fish sticks. It's like a nice little fun, flirty moment until... Principal Quark comes in the Ferengi shows yells at them for too much PDA, which is yeah, Willow is sitting on his lap, but maybe is a lot. I don't know. PDA on school grounds should be done in the parking lot in broad daylight against one of your wills. <laughs> That's the only one. You better be on the swim team. The only reason I stopped you from doing that is because you broke his nose. That's a reference to last week in case you're skipping around. And he's like, this isn't an orgy. It's a classroom. And Buffy's like, no, it's fucking not. (laughs) Then we cut to London, 1860. Drew seems to be almost done with nun school. And she's confessing to a priest who's not a priest. It's Angel. Priest is in there, but he's dead. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, he's like eating the priest. Oh, I missed that. But she's been having visions. So that was like a pre-vampire thing that Drew has just got visions. Mm-hmm. She's just a 
crazy woman or is she having visions because Angel's been driving her crazy? No, I think she's, I don't think she's crazy. I think she's psychic. Oh. She's been given visions. I think she does become crazy because of Angel, but she's clearly just got like some ability. But she does have like some kind of magic. Okay. But she's been having visions all about the minds that are coming true and her mom's telling her she's cursed and she's like, I don't want to be an evil thing. And Angel's like, well. Hate to tell you this, but you're the spawn of Satan, so uh, you're fucked. Just be evil, baby. And she's like, no, no, I want to be good. And he's like, fine, fine, do some Hail Marys and you'll be fine or whatever. P.S. God is watching you, no presh. So she's probably pretty stressed out about all that. Meanwhile, present day Drew is coming back from a walk slash dinner. She said she met an old man that she didn't like because he got stuck in her teeth. But the walk wasn't all bad because the moon started whispering all sorts of dreadful things in her ear, which she's delighted by. Angel comes in and like smacks Spike on the back of the head. (laughs) Spike has still not revealed that he can walk in this episode. In fact, he like sits back in his chair. Yeah, he's like clearly hiding it from even like Drew, I think. Um, But she's had a vision about the thing that's appeared at the museum. She says there's a surprise inside. And Spike's like, shut the fuck up. That wasn't in your vision. That's in the paper. I guess it it is both, though. Like, I think she did have that vision. And Spike reads the paper? What? Why? You have a psychic girlfriend that tells you the news. And then we see the Romanian woods of 1898, and there's an old woman chanting over a dead girl. And she has what appears to be an orb of Thessala. And this is uh, the gypsies cursing Angel to get back at him for whatever he did to the Rory Gilmore of this village. Everybody loves her. And this dude's like, you're going to be haunted by all the people that you killed. This guy's accent is somehow way tamer than Jenny's uncle, who was born many generations later. (laughs) It gets stronger with every generation. And then David Boreanaz acts a little tormented, I guess, and that scene's over. I feel like this scene is how David Boreanaz felt when he was finding out he had to do an Irish accent. Oh, no, it hurts. Oh, Oh, no. Buffy is studying with Willow, and she's being a real baby about her finals. Like, for real, she's regressed to a child here. She's, like, talking like a baby. It's very weird. But then Buffy drops her pencil down the disc hole. (laughs) Baby, it's the disc crack. (laughs) It's where the disc that has Angel's curse cure on it fell at the end of that one episode. It's pretty funny because she goes and picks it up and like just doesn't see the disc. Yeah. I wish they <laughs> just didn't see it. It's like, not nah, misdirect everybody. But then Buffy's having a Deja Drew. Nice. <laughs> she's, it's not quite the same as what Drew has, but like something's telling her she's got to check that disc hole again. And there is a disc in the disc hole. They put it in the computer. They realize what this is. They understand it's something Jenny was working on to try to recurse Angel. I told you. You were right. So you were shocked when this happened? I wasn't shocked, but I didn't think they were going to find it. Well, I, I think in this episode, they kind of started talking about stuff that made me think that they would. Sure. Because Willow's like, oh, I went through her computers and uh, computer and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Willow's been like basically living Jenny's life. Yeah. She's been hanging out with Giles a lot. Uh, kind of. <laughs> studying up on spells and paganism and just like going through all her shit, basically. So they take this to Giles. Xander and Cordelia are there, and they are like, we should do this. We should try it. Giles is like, yeah, it'll probably be hard, though. I don't know that I can do it. And Willow's like, well, I'm kind of a witch now, I think, so I'll try. But, like, okay, you've been reading a lot about witchcraft, Willow. Giles has, like, done a couple spells successfully. Maybe you're not the best for the job? I don't know. Yeah, I don't understand this. He's like, I should do it. And like, no, Giles, like, summoned demons and stuff. Like, he definitely should do it. Yeah. Xander's very against this. He's like, no, we should 
kill Angel. And I, I think he's right. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, I know people kind of hate Xander for this and some other stuff, but like, he's like right about this. Angel's killed a lot of people. And like, okay, so we uncurse, recurse Angel. He's back, how we knew him in the beginning. And then he's just gonna what, like date Buffy again and have sex? And then he becomes evil again? I mean, I think honestly what you should do is definitely try the curse because then if he gets a soul, he'll stop killing. Mm-hmm. But I, I, and this is gonna sound crazy. No one's gonna like this, but I'm gonna say it. What do you you want? need to do one or two things. You need to either talk to Angel and be like, hey man, I I think the best choice for you is for you to kill yourself. Mm. Your life is going to be torment until it isn't, and then you become a monster. Kill yourself. Or you you lie to him, and you make good, like everything's cool, and then you kill him when he's not expecting it. Yeah. And it's a mercy kill. It's not just like, you know what I mean? Because him being alive is only going to be suffering. He is going to suffer until he starts to make other people suffer. Best case scenario, he suffers for eternity, which is also bad. Right. And he can't just, like, be with Buffy again. Exactly. So there's no point in, like, her getting him back, really? Xander obviously is, like, an asshole in this scene, like, the way he handles it. But, like, do you blame him? Like, people are dead. Giles is like, well, this was Jenny's last wish to bring him back, so we should do it for her. Xander and Giles, like, start to yell at each other a bit Mm -hmm. here, too. They get into a little bit of a fight. And Will is like, Buffy, what do you want? And she doesn't know. I mean, she's like, what happened to Angel wasn't his fault. And Xander's like, yeah, but what happened to Jenny was Angel's fault. Which it isn't, though. It's not? It's so complicated, and... Uh, there's something I want to talk about that I can't really. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it, when you talk about angel, there's like two types of angel. Let's call angel with a soul angel and angel without a soul angelus. Okay. Angelus is not angel. They're not the same person. Sure. Right? Like if somebody took over your body, you're not that person anymore. Like the, the person possessing your body isn't you. Okay. So angel isn't responsible for Jenny Callender's death, but angelus is. So Xander's line doesn't really track. Yeah, I hear you. But basically Xander's whole point is like, you just want your boyfriend back, which we know how he feels about Buffy loving Angel. I, I really, I know you talked about this, but I just really want to hit home that so many people are like, Xander is just like jealous, but like he is right. Angel is killing people and Buffy could have killed Angel and per- kept a lot of people alive. Yeah. And if they recurse him and he's nice again, he could find happiness again. Even if it's not with Buffy. Right. You, you might say, no, he's in love with Buffy. Yeah, but maybe in 200 years he, he finds, finds a big bowl of spaghetti. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. Oh, my God. Anything. A margarita on the beach, I think, was another example. Maybe he just... <laughs> He's at a beach at night <laughs> drinking a margarita. Maybe he discovers football. I don't know. Something. Yeah. Season six of Shit's Creek. He's like, you know what? Pure happiness. I am not that far. We haven't yet. seen it. Don't tell no, us. Don't, no spoilers. Angel, Drew, and crew all go to the museum and... That's, I love that you said that. <laughs> Angel, Drew, and crew. <laughs> They all go to the museum and snack on the curator. They eat him. He's dead. So they can kidnap the monolith and take it back to Spike's house. Buffy's on the phone with Willow, and Willow says some terrible word that we don't hear. But Buffy's like, you kiss your mother with that mouth? And I'm like, she kisses her mother on the mouth? (laughs) I'm guessing the word was Grinch. That's funny. That's from How I Met Your Mother. We think it means the C word. But then Buffy finds the ring that Angel gave her, and she's just like, oh, Angel, I miss the real you. She doesn't say that, but, like, that's what her face says. Yeah, it sounds like she's studying for her finals. Like, are you a baby now? (laughs) Buffy goes to the graveyard, and Kendra is there. She could have, like, called. It's weird to just, like, show up in a graveyard, but um, she's there. 
She said her watcher said that there's some dark power rising in Sunnydale again, so she should go. So she did. I feel like Kendra's like chilled out a bit now. She's got a little bit of Buffy in her. She's not so uptight about slaying and always slaying and following the rules. Right. I mean, she's not breaking the rules, but she just doesn't seem like militant anymore. Well, she doesn't seem like she's criticizing Buffy's. That, that's the big thing, right? She doesn't seem to be criticizing how Buffy does the, her stuff. Right. So it's Spike's house. They got the giant rock. We learned that it contains Akathla the demon who tried to come swallow the world, but a knight stopped him by piercing his heart before he could. And he turned to stone, which I guess demons do sometimes. That feels important. And he was buried, apparently here at the Hellmouth. And someone worthy could pull the sword out and then the demon will wake up and all the humans in the world will go to hell. Fun. This sounds like a lot better than the judge plan, where it just seemed like the world was going to end. It sounds like in this situation, the demons still get to hang out, but the humans are, like, alive and tortured. I get it. Mm -hmm. That sounds cool. But who still are the vampires going to eat, if that's the case? Can they still eat the humans? That's an interesting conundrum. I wonder if that will matter. I don't know. I don't know if you know. Yeah, I don't know. I know. Giles finds out that the artifact is missing and that the curator was killed by the vampires. The moon told him this. I uh. guess. <laughs> or the paper. Either seem to be viable news sources. <laughs> Giles tells them if this works, that all the humans will suffer eternal torment. And they're like, well, we don't want that. Buffy wants Willow to try the curse. Kendra thinks we should kill Angel. Buffy's like, yeah, yeah, I will. Whatever, I'll try. And Kendra happens to have a sword blessed by the knight who cursed the stone demon. And Giles just happens to have an orb of Thessala lying around. So he's like, here. Jenny should have borrowed his. Jenny wouldn't have had to run an errand and Willow would have never become a teacher. Yeah. But I guess then they went to found the disc. It's complicated. Yeah. Willow needs like a day to learn the spell, but luckily Angel has to do a whole ritual that Giles hopes will take some time, and luckily it does. It involves blood and a whole multi-layered flashback sequence. First, he bites some guy. I don't know if the specific guy is important or just like any guy will do. It's just a guy. We don't see his face. He thinks that by doing this whole ritual, he's going to like ascend and become, as the title suggests. Everything he's done has led him here. And then we see the rest of what's led him here, specifically. Cut to Manhattan, 1996. 11-year-old Jess is running around smoking a <laughs> cigarette. And Angel is um struggling. He's got the whole interview with a vampire situation going on. Does that mean living in an alley, having a hard time walking? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> eating rats. It's very much struggling. When Rune comes over and tells him how bad he looks... Classic Rune. <laughs> you, uh, you don't look good, man. <laughs> You're too tall. But Rune knows that Angel's a vampire. Well, okay, when we say Rune, <laughs> if you've been following or- It is the exact same character from you, Gilmore Girls. <laughs> if you know Gilmore Girls, he plays Jackson's cousin Rune in a couple episodes. Three episodes? He's a very annoying little man. But now he plays like a, like an important character with emotional weight, but it's so hard not to separate that from Rune. <laughs> yeah. I, he's good in this. I liked him in this. Yeah. Like he's sort of a similarly like- Weaselly man? Maybe Rune's a demon. That explains Gilmore Girls. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will be calling him Rune, though, I think. Um, but his he name's says, Whistler. He says his name is Whistler. Lately. So maybe, you know, he could still be Rune. In 2000, he changes it to Rune. Angel's like, who are you? Come on. And Whistler Rune is like, I'll buy some hot dogs and tell you. Hot dogs. Just like Jess and Rory. Is that, do people think that people just slam hot dogs all the time in the city? I mean, pizza, for sure. I'm never like, we gotta go get hot dogs. It's like, oh oh, shit, I've got five minutes. I guess we could grab a hot dog from 7-Eleven. Yeah, and, like, Rory was like, I like this hot dog. They're fine. They're not great. Pizza is what you get. I guess I've never had a cart hot dog, though. I mean, I have, but I can't remember when. Maybe they're good, but I've never been like, oh, my God, hot dog. 
but he says that he's a demon, but he's not a bad guy. We don't really know what his deal is, but he does want to help Angel become someone that matters. Someone to be counted. And he wants him to go to L.A. to spy on Buffy. Cut to... L.A., 1996, before Buffy comes to Sunnydale. She's got a sucker, she's got long hair, a maybe boyfriend named Tyler, and a bunch of dumb, dumb friends. And then some, like, fifth-rate Donald Sutherland comes over and tells her she's the chosen one. Yeah, some office space-looking dude shows up. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, uh, the watcher, I guess. Someone should watch you. (laughs) And she's like, nah, nah, I got my sucker, I'm good. And he's like, but the vampires. And Angel hears all this because he's creeping up in like the grossest car in the world and just opens the window during the day, which he doesn't seem to love the sun, but I guess he's fine. Yeah, I feel like they're taking some liberties. I feel like- It's all like got black on the window and stuff, but he still opens it. It seems weird that Angel's driving. Like, shouldn't Whistler be driving? That's another thing because Whistler says they're going to go together. Yeah. But then Whistler later is like, oh, she must be prettier than the other Slayers. I'm like, did you not see her? He had something, he had to get some hot dogs. I guess. Let's try out LA's hot dogs, see if those are better. I just get hot dogs everywhere. But then Angel, like, is watching her learning how to fight vampires in the graveyard, which is just clearly the same graveyard as Sunnydale. (laughs) Buffy goes home, and Joyce is yelling at her for being out late, and she says she was with Tyler, and Joyce hates Tyler almost as much as Lorelai hates Jess. And then Joyce goes and fights with her dad. He hates Tyler, too, and maybe also hates Joyce. There's, like, some seeds of divorce here, for sure. Angel's- and there's a whole scene we just hear her father talk about how much he hates Tyler for like an hour. Yeah. <laughs> He's never going to amount to anything. You know? Just like that nightmare scene. <laughs> but Angel's creeping on this too. He's just watching Buffy be sad. He's like, I love that girl. Back in the New York alley, Angel tells Rune he wants to become someone. And Rune's like, cool, this is dangerous, though. It's not going to be easy. And you're not really going to be part of the world. And Angel's like, I don't care. I want to learn from you. Your outfit's weird. Let's be friends. Back at Spike's house, we just learned a lot about Angel. He tries to pull the sword out from the stone demon, but no, he's not worthy. Spike thinks it's hilarious that Angel has not succeeded. And Angel's, of course, very flustered, so he says he's going to turn to an old friend. So he gets Thor, and Thor is able to pull this thing out. Uh, I skipped that part. Oh, okay. Then he gets some kind of, like, demon screaming telegram that goes to Buffy's class and tells her to come to the graveyard tonight or else. And then she just, like, burns up. I'm assuming because she's a vampire and it's daytime. Like, who is this suicidal message girl? And just the whole class saw this? Yeah, that's the other thing is, like, the class wouldn't be like, okay, so vampires are real now, right, guys? We're aware of that. I was like, Buffy's just seeing this, right? But no, the the class freaks out. Everyone saw this. I did think about this, and it makes sense if you think that, like, you could tell a new vampire anything, right? You you go there, and I've cast a spell on you so that you won't burn up. Sure. And the vampire's like, cool, cool, cool. Oh, shit. (laughs) Yeah. So Buffy's going to go kill Angel tonight. Tonight's the night. Sure, Buffy. Will is going to try the curse. Maybe it'll work while Buffy's with him. Buffy tells Kendra to stay at the library just in case. Kendra gives her her lucky steak, Mr. Pointy. And Buffy goes to the graveyard. Angel's there immediately. She's like, shouldn't you be pulling the sword out of Al Franken? Which is what she thinks the name of the demon is. She's a running bit where she can't say it right. But that was funny. And then they fight. And Buffy's about to casually kill him? I don't know. She doesn't really seem to want to. She's just like talking a lot. Part of me thinks she might be sort of stalling for Willow. Yeah, they're hoping he'll be uncurt. He's kind of like pretending he's there to make up with her. So I think she's trying to feel it out. But he's like, you're so dumb. This was never about you. You always fall for this. And then she realizes something's going down at the library. So she run, runs, and runs. And something is happening at the library. Willow has just started the spell, but they get like invaded by vampires. Giles gets knocked out. Kendra's like doing her best. But then Drew comes in 
and like hypnotizes Kendra to just sort of relax. And then Drew slits her throat with her fingernail. Vampires take Giles and Buffy finally gets there. School doors aren't locked tonight. She just busts in. I thought the music was cool when she was running. Yeah. It's like very intense. And then Buffy sees Kendra and then Ruin finishes his narration. He's like, you're never ready for the big life-changing moments. It's what you do after them that counts, though. That's when you find out who you really are. And then, like, someone pulls a gun on Buffy and says, freeze. And that's just the end. Yeah. So Giles is the worthy one, I'm guessing? Or, like, knows something about that? Is he the old friend? There's a couple things that happen here. Like, Willow's, like, crushed in her bookshelf. Xander's arm's broken. Cordelia made it out because Xander, like, cleared a path for her. This whole scene was great. Yeah. The action was good. Even though, like, you know, they do their best. The vampires clearly win. They're gonna win. Kendra is, she's doing, she's holding her own, but there's, like, a ton of vampires. Drew's, like, hypnotism thing, we already know vampires can do that. I think Buffy's immune to it, though, because the master did that to her, and then when he tried it again, it didn't work. But Kendra's not? Well, I think... Buffy became immune to it because it, she's, like, aware of it. Right. Like, it, it happened to her once, and I think either she was, like, figured out how to resist it or, like, her dying somehow, like, prevented it from working again. But also that big twist of grab what we came for. It's not a book. It's Giles. Yeah, because he knows how to do ritual stuff. So he's the old friend? Yep. But also, this was great because this is like mirroring the very first episode of the season where Buffy thinks that she was the one that was closest to the master. And so she leaves all of her friends at the library to get taken because she thinks she's the important one, which is great because they clearly set this up at the beginning of the season. Right. So is Kendra dead dead? We'll find out. Buffy wasn't dead dead. Right. You said that um, Kendra was going to get with Xander. So either you were lying about that or Kendra's not dead. We'll find out. But also, if Kendra is dead, is there going to be a new Slayer? I guess that would happen. They're just going to keep killing themselves slowly and bringing them back so they could have more and more Slayers. Is Buffy's friends, like, still in the library? You said Cordelia escaped, but, like, is Xander and Willow still in the library? Yeah. They're just asleep? Like, how come they didn't come running when Buffy came in? I think they were really hurt. Okay. And Buffy got there, I think, like, right after they left. And who's the gunman? Maybe Quark. He did say... Give me a reason to expel you. And I bet murder would be a good reason. The way she's like kind of leaning over Kendra does look like PDA. Yeah. And it's lesbian PDA in the He's 90s. Like, nope. Not in my school. So, Brian, was this a good episode? Yeah, it was a great episode. I think the writing was good. The character stuff was good. The backstory was good. Angel's accent was atrocious. But everything else is good. Here's what I don't like about it. I mean, I'm interested to see what this, like, stone demon is going to do. But again, I'm like, this isn't going to freaking end the world. So it's just not scary. I know that for them, it's like, oh, we got to hurry to stop this before it happens. Right. But it's like, it's not going to happen. I know there's five more seasons, but I'm pretty sure they're not going to take place in hell. Right. I mean, you can sort of say that about any show or movie, right? I mean, there are movies that end dark, but like, if you're watching an Avengers movie, I guess that Thanos does his thing. But when you're watching Infinity War, you're not like, I think Thanos is going to win again. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just because that judge thing was so like built up and then was nothing. This just feels like a distraction from like the real stuff, which is Angel and Spike and Drew. Right. It's the MacGuffin, right? It's an inconsequential plot device. Yeah. However, I do think some plot devices, while they may not pan out in the MacGuffin way they're supposed to, you know, like the bomb isn't going to blow up the world, it can have an impact. Yeah. It doesn't always. Like the judge did not. (laughs) But I think they can. I do not think this is exactly like the judge. But yeah, it's interesting, like, Angel being here on purpose to, like, help Buffy. So that seems to be, like, his real purpose is to, like, use his tragic life to 
help her in her journey. And it helps justify a lot of the scenes where he was like in love with her because it's not just like, oh, I met this girl and we've worked together a couple times. It's like, no, I've like known about you. My whole purpose right now is to aid you. And be a better boyfriend than Tyler. <laughs> I heard how bad Tyler was. I gotta fix it. Tyler made her parents get divorced. I gotta be better than Tyler. Gotta be better than Tyler. I got to be better than Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is there anything else we should say about it? Uh, I don't think so. It was good. And uh, I mean, I really liked it. I hope you liked it. I did like it. And I think it was a better two-parter than a lot of them have been. Yeah. I mean, because stuff happened. Kendra died. Like, emotional things happened. Yeah. The backstory was all interesting. I didn't necessarily need to see him getting cursed because we, like, knew that happened. I guess it was fine. The other ones were way more well done. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that Spike does something in this last episode. I'm still so interested in what happens to him. I don't even think he's in the next one. Better show someone he can walk or I'm going to start thinking he can. That's how the season ends. He just stands up. Is the next one going to be even better? No, the next one's like another Monster of the Week one and it's sort of like confusing. (laughs) It's about dwarves. And you're just like, dwarves? Come on. So which episode do you think was better? Brian, it's really tough because of... What I said about this, like, big bad character being not so big and bad to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Gilmore Girls had some really, really great moments. It did. It had some good, strong emotional moments, at least two. But probably Buffy. Just like as an episode overall, I think there was just more interesting stuff happening. Gilmore Girls was, like, all building, building, building to these two moments that were beautiful. But Buffy was like a lot of cool new information, but still told a story. That's kind of apples and oranges. But yeah, I think Buffy was probably a better episode. I think you're 100% right in that it's very difficult to compare episodes sometimes, right? Because they're very different genres. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's hard to compare this one to Gilmore's. Because this Gilmore girl had some emotional moments that the show doesn't always have every episode. Yeah. And I think the emotional moments of Gilmore is like what you're there for. Whereas Buffy, the emotional moments are definitely there. But for me, it's the fun story that's what I'm into. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think Buffy did a better job. I do wish we had more Kendra. I feel like I wanted to see more of Kendra in this episode a little bit so that what happened to her, whether or not it's her ultimate fate or not, would have been slightly more impactful. When she gave her her stake, I was worried. Yeah. And when they separated. Yeah. But I also was like, why are you leaving her here? Take her with you. But I fell for it too. But yeah, I mean, I think think Buffy was the better episode. Okay. It's decided. One more of the season. Oh my God. If you guys want to watch along next week, we'll be watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 2, Episode 22, Becoming Part 2. As well as Gilmore Girls Season 2, Episode 22. I can't get started. Interested in that name. Me too. In the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts uh, on the episode we just discussed in this podcast. Like, do you think that uh, Angel's accent um, ruined the entire show? Which show do you like Rune better in? Do you think Rune is Whistler? What do you think about New York hot dogs? What are your thoughts on Boo Blood? How New York are you? Yeah, how New York are you? Let us know. You can reach out to us by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer, where we post all kinds of interactive and behind-the-scenes content. And for comedy content not related to the podcast, follow us at Brian and Stacy. That's Brian with a Y and Stacy with an E-Y. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacy. Or you can send us a good old-fashioned email at Reviews at gmail.com. If you like what you're hearing, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you do, we'll give you a shout-out on the next podcast. Just one more episode, guys. We're probably going to watch it, like, now, right? Yeah, probably, like, right now. Otherwise, we'll fight. Yeah. Bye.